0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So I'm excited tonight to start week five. Week five in our study. We've been through, well, three guys. We did Adam for two weeks. Then we went to Cain and then Noah last week, and our discussion was awesome on that. Tonight we're going to be talking about Abram. You might know him as Abraham, but he started out as Abram. And he's a special guy in Genesis because... If the other guys we've spoken about had a YouTube video, it'd be like 12 minutes long. Abraham, uh, by contrast, is like a two and a half hour lecture, comparatively. Not to say that you couldn't say a lot about the other guys, but to say that he gets a lot more screen time in the Bible itself: Genesis 12, Genesis 13, Genesis 14, Genesis. It keeps going. Like he's he's a pretty popular dude through much of the rest of Genesis. And then later is, I wouldn't say glorified necessarily, but he is the father of the nation of Israel. He is the father of the nation of Israel. Now it's not the nation of Abraham. We'll, we'll talk later about Israel himself, but he is, is credited as the father of Israel. So it's a really powerful a powerful character, and one of the interesting things about Abraham is we get to hang out with him through his life in these these readings. We spoke about how Adam wasn't the perfect man, and this is why we spoke about how you know Abel probably wasn't perfect, but he he brought the sacrifice to god that that pleased God before his brother often and so that's that's a <laughs> that's a good story. And then Noah, he was perfect in his generations, but you know he ended up naked in a tent at the end of the story, so he also was not perfect. Abraham, there's no question, Abraham was not a perfect man. So by the time you you get to Abraham, I'll I'll read just the opening part of his story and then talk just a little through his story himself. By the time you get to Abraham, he's gone through so many adventures. And made several mistakes throughout the adventures that are just blatant mistakes. But God doesn't leave him. And we're left to question why God decided to bless the nation of Israel through Abraham. So it starts in Genesis 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to a land that I will show you. I'll make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse the one who curses you. And in all the families of the earth, you will be a blessing. So Abraham went, excuse me, Abram, not Abraham yet. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. 75? Like, we hope our kids aren't living in our basement at what 23 now (laughs) hopefully somewhere in there (laughs) right 75 years old hey man time to start your life get up we got stuff to do so god's call to abraham actually comes quite a bit later in his life so if you don't feel like you got your life together yet that's kind of encouraging (laughs) Royce, like for some of us I love that. So Abram's story, as you read through his story, and I haven't, don't worry, I haven't, I haven't assigned the entire rest of Genesis to you, okay? We've got Genesis 12 and 13, and we've got the first few verses of Genesis 15. But, but by the time you go through Abraham's entire story, what happens to him? hes He's got a call to adventure, and he greets the call to adventure. He gets up and he goes, To his credit, he gets up and he goes. And then what's the first thing he encounters? Well, as you read through the story, you'll find he meets a tyranny in Egypt, comes headfirst into Pharaoh. And then, man, I'm getting real country. Pharaoh, Pharaoh, blame it on all 'all. (laughs) y'all. I've only been here a year. So he's met with a tyranny, right? And then a famine. Okay, God's like, hey, I got this great thing for you. You need to go. And he's like, okay, God, And he's just punched in the face. Here's a tyranny. Here's a famine. Then he lies about his wife being his wife. Tells Pharaoh it's his sister so that they don't kill him because she was a fair woman in her 70s. Pretty impressive. Then he gets rich. He gets rich off of that lie. He walks away with some of Pharaoh's riches. And then God promises him that his... Children will be like the stars of the sky. Continue going. He makes a bargain with God for his nephew Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. If you keep going through his story, his wife convinces him to sleep with their servant to make the heir that God promised him. That's a a fun segue. We're not going to talk a whole bunch about it tonight, but it's like, God, I'm going to help you out with your plan real quick, if you don't mind sleeps with a servant to have a son. That doesn't work out super well. Then he is blessed with a son through his wife, Sarah, Sarah. Some people say it differently. And that's Isaac. And this is God's promise being fulfilled to him. And then God asks him to sacrifice his son. And Abraham brings him up on the mountain, ties him to the wood, is ready to, ready to bear down the hatchet, And God provides otherwise. So he's faithful in that act. That's Abraham's story in a nutshell. You want to read the whole thing? It's right there in Genesis. Get excited. But he goes through quite a few things and there's no question about it. Abram is not a perfect man. Abram's not a perfect man. So there's many things that I could talk about with regard to Abram. But tonight I want to focus on the concept of faith. Because that's easy, right? faith, if you will, and and you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. This is Paul speaking. Paul says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. I'll read that again. Paul speaking, Hebrews 11, 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So when I was a kid, I would read Jesus' words and he would say things like, O ye of little faith, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could move a mountain. We'll talk a little bit about in, in a bit about a, a time when he tells his disciples, Hey, this is how you get more faith because you guys weren't cool enough to cast out this demon. When I was a kid and I, I read this stuff, I was like, I need to get more faith, whatever that is. I got, I got to figure that out. I got to get more of that. Cause it seems like this magic hocus pocus thing that you have like genie powers. You can do some really powerful stuff with faith. So I'm looking through the Bible, like what's faith? What's faith? I'm like 12, okay? What's faith? So I come to Paul here, and I read this, and I get really mad. This is the only definition I could find of faith in the Bible. I get really mad. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things unseen. You want some faith? That makes you real mad real fast, because you're like, what? That's faith? The substance of the things that I hope for and the evidence of the things I can't see yet sounds like a poem that I don't get. That's what it sounds like. So, I was really mad at Paul for a while as a kid. I didn't know I was mad at Paul, but I was mad at Paul because, well, I didn't find that very helpful. But if you continue reading, Indeed, by faith our ancestors received approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was made from the things that are not visible. If you skip down, actually, we talk about Noah, because Paul takes us through the Old Testament. By faith, Noah, warned by God about the events yet unseen, respected the warning, and built an ark to save his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir to the righteousness that is in accordance with faith. And then we come to Abraham, verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called and set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he set out not knowing where he was going. By faith he stayed for a time in the land that he had been promised, as in a foreign land, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him in the same promise. We can continue reading, but I think you get the idea. It's actually part of the assigned reading to walk through Hebrews 11 this week. Faith is referred to not only by Paul here in the stories of the people in the Old Testament, but it's also referred to by Jesus several times. If you'll come with me to Matthew. Matthew 17. You probably heard several references to faith from Jesus' mouth, but in Matthew 17:14, he's with a crowd of people and his disciples. 14 says this, When they came to the crowd, a man came to him, knelt before him, and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He's an epileptic and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire and also the water. When I brought him to your disciples, they could not cure him. Jesus answered. I love Jesus. He just tells it like it is. You faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you? How much longer must I put up with you? Bring him here to me. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild, right? And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was cured instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast that out? He said to them, Because you are of little faith. For truly I tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. This kind of faith only comes from prayer and fasting. So what is faith? Well, in Genesis 15, it says Abraham's faith counted to him as righteousness. Have you ever done a trust fall? Do you know what that is? I did it with my kid recently. I thought it was kind of fun. I, he, has a, he has a little mattress that's yay tall. It's like a loft bed. It's not really a bunk bed. And his mom insists that the rail's there. But when I was a kid, I didn't sleep without a rail. So dang, kids. They're, they're get, they'll get tough if they fall off. Anyway, so I had him stand up there. And I was like, this is called a trust fall. Do you trust daddy? He says, yes. So he turns around. He puts his arms across his chest. And I told him to fall. You know what a trust fall is, right? You're not supposed to step. That's the trust part. You trust that I'm going to catch you, right? So he does this thing, and you do what you do in a trust fall. Your reflex says, whoa, buddy. His hands flay out like his leg steps back. And, you know, I catch him, but it's a lot harder when you do that to catch who it is you're supposed to be catching. And I said, you're not supposed to move. You have to keep your arms across your chest, and, and you you can't move if you trust me. Then, then you fall. So we do it again. Takes like 10 times before finally he, okay, like he knows I'm going to catch him. I've always caught him. That's not a problem. The problem is fighting your reaction against (laughs) gravity, right? What's interesting and the reason I tell you that is because faith has been translated uh, as a word to mean having full trust in something. Having full trust in something. However, the problem I had when I was 12 years old reading this was that it seemed like a like a spooky, cloudy thing. It wasn't real. To say I have trust in something didn't seem real. But in a trust fall, asking my son to fall off the bed, how do you know that he actually trusts you? It's the action of letting himself fall off the bed and not acting counter to the trust, right? Not acting counter to the trust. When I was a kid, I thought faith was like a magical power that allowed Jesus to do things that nobody else could do. And he was just hoping that all of us would also have this magical power. And so I thought if I read Paul's definition and could somehow make sense of that, that I would also have this magical power. What's wild about this, though, is if you look at Abraham's story and you understand the translation of faith as a trust, it actually becomes less of a belief and more of an action. Less of a belief and more of an action. So I went a little deeper into this because I don't read Hebrew. It's not my thing. But The answer I was looking for when I was 12 is right here, and I found it in the past couple weeks, so thank God for this Bible study. In, uh, In Genesis 15, it says, Abraham's faith counted unto him as righteousness. If you want to turn there with me, we can look at that together. Some translations say that Abraham believed God and he counted it unto him as righteousness. Genesis 15, just before verse 2, it says, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord, what will you give for me? For I continued childless, as the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. He's talking about somebody who's not his son. And he's moaning because God hasn't given it to him yet. Verse 5 says, He brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and count the stars, if you're able to count them. Then he said, so shall your descendants be. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. So verse 6, you see where it says believed? Some translations say Abraham had faith. That word in Hebrew is translated aman, A-M-A-N, aman. And what's interesting about the the Hebrew word here is that you can believe a lie. That would mean that you're naive and you believe something that is unverified because you're just too naive, like a kid. You tell them them something and they're like, okay, and then they, they move on until they turn four and then they start asking why about everything and that's really frustrating. This word aman is not that word. This word, "aman" means to embody a standard and act out what you think. Aman, Where it says, Abraham's faith counted to him as righteousness. It doesn't mean that Abraham was like, okay, God, that sounds good. We got this. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. What it literally means is that Abraham, every single day of his life, bore out his belief in action. And that's what the word aman means. Faith means living out, literally living out the belief, whatever the belief is. (coughs) To me, this was powerful because I thought that, uh, actually back up, everybody knows aman, by the way. You don't know, you know it. Who says amen at the end of their prayer? Amen literally means so be it. Comes from the root aman. Means as I have spoken these things, let them be that way. Let them be acted out that way. That's what amen means. So you know what aman is. You just didn't know you knew it. Unless you studied that. So maybe you win. Maybe you win. Maybe I, I didn't teach you anything tonight. So, so Abraham had aman. Abraham acted out. What it is that the Lord told him. And that's what we call faith. Now through those eyes, I'm going to to read this to you again. You don't have to come back to it unless you want to read it with me. Hebrews 11. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. And the evidence of things unseen. So if you look at your life and you say, what are the substance of the things that I hope for? What are the substance of the things that God hopes for me? Well, I hope you can look around at the fruits of your life and see the substance. I hope that, I hope that the actions that you've taken in faith have have yielded those things. And what about the evidence of things unseen? How do I know what you believe? I should just be able to watch you for a day. Or maybe a week. There's some things that go on in a day that have nothing to do with the rest of life. You know? <laughs> maybe they do, but I would say just catch me on a good day. Maybe you can catch me on a decent week and, and maybe we'll be on the, the same page here. For me, this is deeply tied to when God changes Abram's name. So, in talking about faith, the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen it 's not a mystical thing it 's it 's you acting out what it is that God has put on your heart in belief the the call on your life if you don 't know what it is, come talk to me after this because we need to chat about your prayer life but God changed abram's name to Abraham in this story, and I feel dumb I feel really dumb because. I read the verse where he changes his name. He says, Abram. Abram means multitude. It means a multitude, right? Abram. A-B-R-A-M. In Hebrew, I'm sure it's spelled differently, but that's how we transliterate it. Abraham. It says in the, in, in the Bible, God changed Abram's name to Abraham, or so his name was changed to Abraham, the father of many nations. And I thought that meant that the name Abraham means Father Abraham. Hey many sons, many sons. Anybody else remember that song? Okay. Because I don't think they sing it in Sunday school anymore, and I'm really worried about Sunday school. So, so we're teaching that at our house uh, if you come over. That's, that's what's going on. Abraham does not mean father of many nations. This blew me away when, when, when I read this. Abraham in Hebrew means their shield or their protector. Why would you name the, the heir of Israel, the, the father who birthed the nation of Israel, why would you name him the shield or the protector? If you're a father, you might not be in here, but if you're a father, you know that your kids don't do what you say. They do what you do. Right? Right? I wish, I wish it was the other way around. The first time I saw this, the first time I saw my son near me or say something I said and didn't know I said, I was like, oh, oh God, what have I done? <laughs> Everything has to change immediately. We have got to fix this because they do what we do and not what, what we say, right? What does it mean to be a shield or a protector? It means to save somebody from something potentially bad or dangerous. I think the most powerful thing to me about Abraham's story was his name was changed to shield and protector because of his faith. And it wasn't like, oh, I believe this. Go ahead, walk around, talk about what you believe. All day long. That old saying, actions speak louder than words. It's true. And for Abraham's faith to literally mean Something he acted out. It's a patriarchy. I don't know how else to say it. People in today's world don't like that term. But it's a patriarchy of acted out belief. And the way that shielded the nation of Israel is that that's how you pass on faith. You just do it. Just do it. So this week, I challenge you to think about faith in terms of action. This week, I challenge you to think about how your actions are being passed on to the people who are watching you. Uh, And this week, I also challenge you, as you read through what Paul has to say about faith in the Old Testament and what Jesus has to say about the faith of this generation and how we can get more of it, I challenge you to ask yourself how you are coming by some more faith. I know I need a little more. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for Abraham, the shield and the protector. I know in some small ways and some very large ways, every man in this room is a shield or protector for somebody, if not many people. I pray, God, that you impress on our hearts the kind of faith that Jesus had so that when he comes back, he doesn't look me in the face and say, how long do I got to put up with you? Help our unbelief and make us men of faith. In Jesus' name, amen.